hour of the week. Hope everybody uh, is getting recuperated from overeating during Thanksgiving. But um, we're glad to be back tonight, and we're going to get in on a, uh, I don't know, lack of a very contra another controversial issue that I'm seeing. Um, actually, even today, talked to a friend of mine that I hadn't seen in a while, uh, and he's dealing with this issue, but this is the mass exit or the emergency exit that you're seeing from the UMC, which is the United Methodist Church, all over America, you're seeing this happening. And, you know, uh, when I was talking to my friend today about it, um, you know, he said that their church, now that they have exited from the United Methodist Church, now that's an organization, uh, they, they're still Methodist, even though they left the, but they left the organization. Um, these churches, he said, our churches begin to grow and, uh, they're seeing new people come in. And some of you may be like, well, what, what's the deal? Why is it, why is everybody leaving? And the reason a lot of churches are exiting the, uh, the UMC, the United Methodist church organization is because, uh, they have voted, or I think they're putting it to a vote to change the law, but they, they're in total agreement as a, as a whole to accept uh, same-sex marriage unions, to perform them, to, uh, to allow those people to uh, you know come to their church and then at the same time function as a, a, a gay couple. They also have ordained bishops, um, you know, that are home, uh, you know, out and open about their homosexuality or married. And, you know, a lot of people are going, well, you know, this is, uh, this is a problem. So, uh, when you begin to see these things, you know, all of these things were talked about in the Bible. It's no surprise, but you have to begin to look at what's going on in your church. You know, uh, I know a lot of you that are watching, you, you go here to, to Gleaning Mission Church, and, and we love you guys dearly. But there may be some of you that's watching online, and you, you may be going to a church that may be similar to this uh, as far as what the United Methodists are doing. Um, now, I will go ahead and, and put this out. Uh, we are not against the homosexual, the person that is a homosexual as a person. But we do not agree with their lifestyle. We won't browbeat them. We're not going to be hateful and mean to them. But we, we at some point, you have to draw a line in the sand and say, okay, this has went far enough. So as I was looking some of these things up, just in since 2019, and 2019 is when the United Methodist Church organization began to uh, have this issue. I mean, they have addressed it, I think, from some of the things I was reading since 1972. But according to their code of conduct or their rule or their law of conduct, however it was they said it, they always went back to traditional marriage and that they would not accept the homosexual lifestyle and, you know, as, as being tolerated. But um, from 2019 until today, um, according to the reports that I'm reading, and this comes from the United Methodist News Service. I, I didn't even know they had their own news service. But anyway, the, the United Methodist News Service published this. So this is where I'm getting the information. It's not made up or, you know, some weird organization that's trying to come against them. But it says... There's been over 6,182 congregations has, has received approval to disaffiliate from the United Methodist Church since 2019. Now, 4,172 of those congregations have done it just this year. So this year, like I said earlier, this is when they really begin to push this issue and make this big fuss about it. But we're seeing a lot of these are separating themselves, and there's a lot of chaos to it because if you're part of the United Methodist Church organization, 
that organization owns the church and the land, you know, all the properties. Uh, and it, if I understood it correctly, you have to send them, you know, I think it's 3%, 8%, something like that of your tithe or income to the church. So they're having to, you know, these churches are, are disaffiliating, but a lot of them are having to go, you know, and pay for this property. You know, could you imagine being at a church for 10, 15, 20 years and then turn around and have to start paying or having a mortgage on that property when you've been there that long? But these numbers, 6,182 congregations, that's not people. You know, so if you figure 6,182 congregations with an average of, if you would even say 60 to 80 people, some of them, you know, could be larger, uh, you know, you're talking about thousands upon thousands upon thousands of people that are leaving the United Methodist Church organization because they've took this stance to to okay or to accept and, and condone homosexuality in the church. And it, it makes up about one-fifth of the total uh, Methodist population or uh, total, uh, I guess, number of, of United Methodist churches. So it's taken away one-fifth of what they are. They're the second largest denomination in the United States of America, I think, I think Baptist is first, but I, I wasn't exactly sure. But at any rate, I wanted to read you a few of the comments um, that they were making and justifying. Now, these are bishops uh, that are in the uh, council, they call it. Um, and I, you know, I think there again, I'm just going to give you my, my opinion, but nowhere in the Bible was there, uh, anywhere where it said that we should have these large denominations and that we should have overseers in these denominations that tell us what to preach, how to preach, when to preach, what we, our walls should look like, what our carpet, you know, this is all man-made, and, and that's part of the issue with this is when you get into man-made, sooner or later, it may start out great, but sooner or later, there's going to be people put in positions where those positions of authority, those positions of power go to their head. You can even take that as a sidebar. You look at our government. You look at elected officials. When somebody gets in a position of authority, a position of power, they most of them go on what we call a power trip, and I believe that it short circuits their common sense in their head, and you know then they start making stupid decisions, and I believe that's kind of why our country's in the shape it's in. But you know, I, I even know firsthand experience of people that have ran for our local school board. And they ran, and they were doing talking about good ideas, and they were they were running on the right platforms and saying the right things, and they meant it. They legitimately meant it. But then, when they got in this position of authority, even as something as small as a school board in a small community like we live, they would start to treat the parents of these children when they would come to these school boards like we were ignorant and unlearned and didn't understand the policies. And, you know, we're going, wait a minute, we put you in this position so that you would do what's right for us and our children, not what the law says according to some guru in Raleigh. And this is happening in the church because if you're a bishop, if you're a pastor, if you truly uh, follow the word of God, you cannot rightfully sit down with me or anybody else and argue that homosexuality needs to be accepted. You, you can't argue that because the word of God changes not. It will never change. It's the same yesterday, today, and forever. A thousand years from now, this word that was written thousands of years ago before this podcast would be just as relevant a thousand years from now as it was the day that it was penned, the original word 
letters were penned. His word does not change. And what has happened is, you see, Satan wants to destroy the next generation. We've got several podcasts, if that's something that, that intrigues you about Satan destroying the next generation. We've got several podcasts on that. Matter of fact, we just done one about Generation Z and Gen Z and, and what the enemy's doing. But you see, if you can have a generation that is devoid of God and that is blatantly living in sin because somebody else, a man, has told them that, hey, it's okay, it's good, you know, then they're going to become God to themselves and make their own laws. And when you look at the facts of this, you see, you go all the way back to the garden. You go all the way back to Adam and Eve. God told Adam, walking in the garden in the cool of the day, because that's what the word said, that God would visit with Adam in the cool of the day. When they were walking around and, and God was showing him everything, he pointed to a tree and he said, of this tree, do not eat lest you die. So then Eve come along. And then when Eve come along, Adam's walking through the garden with Eve, not God, but Adam. And Adam points to the tree and said, God said of that tree, don't eat or surely you'll die. So later on, you, you go a little further down, and one day Eve's out there by herself, and this snake comes up. And he didn't, he didn't uh, have to do a whole lot of, of convincing. He, all they had to do was make Eve question what Adam said God said. So the first thing that the snake, the serpent said was, hath God said? Because it looked good. It seemed good. But hath God said that? So now she starts questioning what she was told. So she eats of it. Then she gets Adam to eat because she told him, say, hey, this is good. Eat it, man. It but when he took a bite of that because he was in disobedience to God, what Adam was saying by partaking of that fruit was, I don't need God. I am smart enough now that I can be God for myself. I can make my own rules my own laws, and we as people, as humans, can govern ourselves. And when you look at our society, you see what happens when we govern ourselves separate from the, the, the law of God, the word of God. We, we have lost our footing in morality. We've lost our footing in, in family. You know, we've lost our footing in every area. Why? Because we have put men and women in positions and they've went on power trips saying, I don't need God to help me do this. I am smart enough. I can make these rules and laws by myself. And that's where the biggest thing of, you know, this has happened, I believe, because in this report, one of their bishops, <coughs> excuse me, Bishop Thomas Bickerton, <coughs> he's the president of the UMC's Council of Bishops, you see, that's all power trip stuff. All, that's an unnecessary position. He's the bishop of the council of bishops. So you got a bishop counseling a bunch of bishops that are over other bishops that are over pastors and so on and so forth. So you've got all these people coming in here. And what we're beginning to see, too, is a lot of these people are, uh, you know, college grads. So another way of saying college grads, and this may offend some people, but if it does, get over it or don't watch it. But these college grads, another word for a college graduate is educated idiot. It means the same thing. So these people have not been educated in college. They've been indoctrinated. So now they've decided to get into the ministry, and then they get into uh, something like the, the Methodist organization, the Presbyterian, they're facing the same issues, not, I don't think, as, on a, as large a scale. The Catholics are facing it. A lot of different ones are. But this guy, Bishop Thomas Bickerton, the president of the UMC's Council of Bishops, see all these fancy titles, said that the departures of these congregations was very disappointing. Well, sure, it's, it's going to affect your revenue and your paycheck. 
But he said, I don't think any of us want to see any of our churches leave. He said, we were called to be the body of Christ. We were called to be unified. There's never been a time when the church has not been without conflict, but there's been a way that we've worked through that. So I want to respond to Bishop Thomas Bickerton, the educated idiot, I want to respond just to his one comment here that he said, I don't think any of us want to see any of our churches leave. He said, we're called to be the body of Christ. We're called to be unified. Well, what happens, Mr. Bishop Bickerton, if you have a disease in your body, you cut it out. They go in, if they find cancer in a person's body, they cut it out. Why? Because if you don't cut it out, it will destroy the whole body. You die. So whether people want to accept it, it you don't have to accept it, but it's the truth. When you read the, the, the Word of God, when you read the Holy Scripture, homosexuality is an abomination. It is a sin. And, you know, God's Word doesn't change, like I said. So for him to say, I don't want to see our churches leave, he's actually lying. That is not a true statement because if you did not want those churches to leave, you would listen to these churches, first of all, before you even listen to them, if you would get on your face and get off your high horse and power trip and start seeking the face of God and lead the leading of the Holy Spirit, you guys making these decisions, these council of bishops, y'all should know better. This is not something that should be up for debate. A church organization should not have to debate whether homosexuality is accepted, whether alcoholics are accepted, what, what alcoholism, any of that drug use. I mean, if, if you're going to say that it's okay, and if y'all hadn't noticed, I've jumped up on my soapbox, if you're going to say that it's okay to accept homosexuals in the church and put them in cl uh, clergy positions as pastors, bishops, things like that, then why not go out here and grab a crackhead off the street or a pothead, drug pusher, or a pedophile, or anybody else that's blatantly living in sin and put them up there as bishop? What's the difference? Because whether you like it or not, these things are going to destroy the next generation. You're already seeing these things happen. And he said, we're called to be the body of Christ. Yeah, we're called to be the body of Christ according to the way Christ called the body, not your interpretation and not you and your council of bishops interpretation. It has to be interpreted by the word of God and you don't have to have one eye and half sense to read Scripture and understand that homosexuality is a sin. Now, I'm going to say this again so I can clarify this. We do not hate homosexuals. We don't, we, we don't mean them harm. We don't want harm to come to them. They're harming themselves. They're doing that on their own. We love them and pray for their souls. But just because we will not accept their lifestyle as common, normal, and everyday and say, yeah, come on in. That doesn't mean we hate them. But according to the world, it does. And you see, this is what's happened with these, these bishops with the United Methodist organization is they're more focused on what will the world think? What will people think? You know, it, it was a whole thing here uh, a while, well, it was just recently, uh, myself and several other pastors got together and we were standing against the fact that our county seat, Albemarle, North Carolina, uh, they were wanting to bring drag shows in to a few local uh, restaurants and bars. And the problem with that was is there wasn't putting any age limits on it. And we had went to several meetings and you know, different things. But I actually heard some of our county officials make a remark, and it really ticked me off. 
and some of y'all might not like that word, but get over it. They said out of their own mouth, can we not just keep it quiet until another county in this, uh, the state of North Carolina deals with it? We don't need the publicity. Well, you see that right there, that just out of your own mouth, they said out of their own mouth, I'm a coward. I'm not, I don't want to fight. I'm scared to fight. You know, I'm a coward. But, you know, that's what these people are doing in these, these denominations. And I've always thought it funny that denomination almost, you know, starts out with demon. I'm just going to throw that out there, you know. Not knocking every denomination, but why can't we, why, why can't it just be the, the church that God called it to be, you know? And that's my biggest thing. You know, people, what denomination you, what are you, who you feel, you know, I'm affiliated with the word of God. I'm not knocking denominations. There's some great churches out there, great people. But my whole thing is I don't care what denomination you're in. I don't care what church you go to. If it does not preach Christ and him crucified, then it is not a Bible-based church. If it don't teach healing, that healing is for the day, it's not a Bible-based church. You know, if it doesn't teach being filled with the Holy Spirit, it is not a true Bible-based church. Now, I know I may get some flack off of that because there could be people, well, we don't do the Holy Spirit, and we're, we're a Bible-based church. Now, you may be a quarter. You're not a full, 100%, full-fledged Bible-based church unless you preach the unadulterated, unfiltered, unopinionated Word of God. And that's the one thing I always tell I, I, or have told our people here, the one thing that I have found in the Word of God, or excuse me, that I didn't find in the Word of God is your or my feelings. They're not in here. Because when we get into our feelings, it's when we get into us. It's all about me. It's all about you. And we take, a, take God out of the way and put him, you know, in a back room somewhere. So we have to understand this, and these bishops and all these people, they get in these big, you know, high-up positions. They get the, the high head and the chip on their shoulder. But, you know, another sad statement is he said there's never been a time when the church has not been without conflict. Here's the thing. It is, it is absolutely understandable. Yeah, from the day the church started in Acts chapter 2, there was conflict from then until now. The problem is, it's not the conflict with the church versus the world. What is aggravating, what is sickening and makes me want to, you know, beat my head on the wall because I get so frustrated. It's the conflict inside the church. And you see, that's where Satan has done his biggest work to destroy the church. The attacks from outside to inside the church didn't do much. Yeah, you might bruise a little bit, but you just keep on going. What has destroyed the church, what has destroyed the body of Christ is the destruction from within. And, you know, this is what we're seeing all over America, that these churches, people, and see, this is what's funny, or you might as well laugh about it because if you don't, it, it'll, it'll about drive you crazy. But, you know, these bishops and all these people that have got elevated uh, to a level of incompetence, more or less, they sit around in these offices and they determine what you and I should believe in the Word of God. You know, and, and their biggest worry, though, is, is not are we portraying Christ according to the Scripture? They're saying, well, you know, if we don't, we could get sued. If we don't do this, we could get took to court. If we don't shut down, we could be arrested. And I'm going to tell you right now, any of you that are watching online right now that do not attend this church, if your pastor is not willing to go to jail for what is right, then he is a spineless coward, and I advise you to find somewhere else to go to church. It's time for the real men of God, the real pastors with backbones that are built and, and protected and energized with the Holy Spirit of God to stand in the pulpit and preach, thus saith the Lord, the truth. And if it offends you, then it offends you. But it is the word of God. 
and we've got to get back to that kind of preaching. But you see, with all these archbishops and these council of bishops and this section of bishops and this bucket of bishops and all this other stuff they got, all these people think they're so smart that we can't pick this word up and read it for ourselves. The Word of God is one of the simplest books to read if you'll just sit down and read. But everybody wants to read it one time and get some deep revelation. You, you know, read it. It's very simple. It's not, it, I mean, this is the simplest book in the world, but at the same time, it is the most complex book and most powerful book that has ever been written or ever will be written. And when we begin to look, I want to take you into scripture here, and I want you to see that that these things, that, that God talked about these things in scripture. The Bible talks about these things. If you'll look with me in the book of Jude, and for those of you that are not familiar with Jude, that's right before Revelations, and it's only one chapter. But if you'll look with me in the book of Jude, and we'll be reading in, from verse 4 to verse 8, but it says, and I want you to listen to this, for certain men have crept in unnoticed who long ago were marked out for this condemnation, ungodly men who turn the grace of our God into lewdness, and deny the only Lord God, our Lord Jesus Christ. Now I'm going to stop right there on verse 4. He said, who turned the grace of our God into lewdness. That is exactly what is happening when you see all these bishops and these denominations that are openly accepting the homosexual lifestyle. They're ordaining ministers that are homosexual. They're doing the homo, performing home, same-sex marriages. They have took the grace of God because they say, well, uh, you know, God loves them just the way they are. Well, absolutely. He loved me when I was a sinner. The Bible says while we were yet sinners, Christ died. So, yeah, for somebody to say that Christ don't love a sinner has never read the Bible because all of us at one time were sinners. The difference is these, these kind of people are trying to take the grace of God and say, well, he just, you just keep doing what you do, and he loves you just like you are. These are new times. This is a different generation. This is a new era. Yeah, you need to go change whatever it is you smoking because it's, you know, got you messed up in the head. But they're taking the grace of God and they're trampling the grace of God. These bishops, these churches, these denominations, and now listen to this, these denominations, the Methodist, Catholic, Presbyterian, any of them, I don't care if Pentecostal, non-denominate, Baptist, whatever it is, these denominations that are accepting homosexuality as common and they're putting it on platforms, they're, they're ordaining them and they're doing these, they're taking the grace of God, which is the finished work of Christ, the pain, the suffering, and the shed blood that Jesus went through, the torment, the agony, they're taking it and they're putting it on the ground and they're trampling on it like it's trash. And it, it, it's, so, it's so disheartening to see that we're so worried about offending people here on the earth that we're leading people straight off a cliff into the pit of hell. You know, and even the sadder thing about it is this Bishop Bickerton and all these council of bishops and whatever else from all these different denominations if you stand in a pulpit and you preach that sin is okay, that God accepts you and lets you continue to live in the sin you're in, and you don't preach against it, the Bible says, Woe unto thee that causes the least of these to stumble, said it would be better for you to have a millstone hung around your neck and cast into the sea. You see, there's a, there's a special place in hell for people that call themselves ordained ministers and bishops that are leading people into a lifestyle that's going to lead them into hell. And it's just very disheartening. But anyway, going on to Jude verse uh, 5, 
He said here, but I want to remind you, though, that you once knew this, that the Lord, having saved the people out of the land of Egypt, afterward destroyed those who did not believe and the angels who did not keep their proper domain, but left their own abode. He has reserved and for, uh, in everlasting change under darkness for the judgment of the great day as Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities around them in a similar manner to these having given themselves. Now listen, having given themselves and you bishops from the Methodist church are listening, pay attention, having given themselves over to sexual immorality and gone after strange flesh are set forth as an example, suffering the vengeance of eternal fire. Likewise, also these dreamers defile the flesh, reject authority and speak evil of dignitaries. So you see, I, I don't know if you, I don't know. How, how can you get much plainer than that? Strange flesh. You see, it's strange for a man to sleep with a man to be with a man. You know, it's strange for a woman to be with a woman. It's common and it's accepted for a man to be with a woman, a woman to be with a man, because that's how we were created. You know, so we have to see these things. They're obvious. They're written down. It's so simple in the word of God. I mean, it's just, it's like, how are these pastors, these bishops, why are they missing it? Why? Somebody explain them. Why is it so important? to make an issue like homosexuality, to pull it out separate and say, oh, well, wait a minute. Uh, we'll accept them. God, God loves them. And, and, and they're, they're, they're preaching. They're, some of these denominations are preaching that you're going to go to heaven a homosexual and you get to be a homosexual in eternity. Well, part of that, it may be right. You may get to be a homosexual for eternity. But if you don't repent, of homosexuality now and get out of it, you're going to hell for eternity, not heaven. And I know these people, well, that hurts my feelings. Well, like I said, your feelings are not in the Bible. They're not important. We were living in these perilous times where everything is upside down. There's no black and white. Everything is gray. And we have to wake up to these things. We have to pay attention to these things because the Methodist church has, as it was started, those men <laughs> that founded the Methodist church, they wouldn't even be part of the Methodist church now. They, they wouldn't have nothing to do with it. Why? Because these denominations are getting away from the original intent of what they were founded to be. They're getting away from the fundamental doctrines that Christ taught while he was here on this earth. Now, Go with me if you're following along and look at Galatians chapter 1. Galatians chapter 1, it starts here in verse 6, and it says, I marvel that you are turning away so soon from him who called you in the grace of Christ in a different gospel. You see, they were already turning away to a different gospel. What's that? It's false. You know, Galatians is not far from Acts. You know, this could have been just a small period of time, a few years, but that quick men had already started trying to interpret in their own way what God's word says. So Paul had sent him a letter here saying, it's blowing my mind that many of you seen Christ. You, you've seen the miracles. You've heard what he did and already you're going away from what he taught. He, he's more or less when he says, I marvel, you know, in our day, he said, it, it's blowing my mind, you know. And then he went on in verse 7 and said that this gospel, which is not another, but there are some who trouble you and want to pervert the gospel of Christ. You see, that's the thing. They don't, it's not a completely different gospel. They put enough of the good gospel there to attract you before they put the the perverted part in. You see, it's just like if you wanted to, uh, well, I, I'm a dog person, but I'm going to use a dog as an example. If you wanted 
to poison a dog, you wouldn't put 90% poison and 10% ground hamburger meat. Why? Because that dog's smart. He'd smell it a mile away and say, nope, nope, I ain't going over there. But you see, it wouldn't take less than 10% to kill the dog. So if I put 90% juicy hamburger meat with that 10% poison, you can't smell it. You can't even really taste it because there's so much meat there. But yet you fell for it and then the dog died. See, this, that's happening to the church. You see, Satan's not putting all the perversion out there. Just he, he let it creep in until the church picked up on the poison itself. Then the church is going around going, hey, this, this poison right here is good. This poison, hey, we accept that kind of poison. Yeah, we love that kind of poison. We want that kind of poison. And then they're, dis they're having these articles like this about how discouraged they are because congregations are leaving their denomination. Well, they don't want to die. They don't want that perversion, and they don't want that poison. Then he goes on in verse 8, and he says, But even if we... Now, see, this is, this is a verse that I think everybody needs to pay close, close attention to when somebody says that, well, uh, you know, this is modern-day time and this is new time, and we have to take the Bible and understand that it was written thousands of years ago, and, you know, society's changed. No, listen. Verse 8, Galatians chapter 1, But even if we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel to you, then what we have preached to you, let him be accursed. You see, if it's not in the word, it's not the word. If it's not in the word, God didn't say it and God doesn't accept it. It's that simple. Then he goes on in verse 9 and he says, as we have said before, so now I say again. You see, we have to be reminded because if we don't, we'll stray. If anyone preaches another gospel to you than what you have received, let him be accursed. For do I now persuade men or God, or do I seek to please men? For if I still please men, I would not be a bondservant of Christ. You see, it's not about me making you feel all fuzzy and warm inside. It's about me shaking you and rattling you until you wake up and realize, wait a minute, I've been poisoned. I, I, I've been infected by this perversion of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I need to get back in the word. I tell our people, my dad, when he pastored here, told the people, and that's where I got it. I've heard other ministers say it that I trust. Don't take it just because I said it. Don't say, well, that's what my pastor said, and I'm done with it. I mean, I appreciate the confidence and the trust, the vote of confidence. It makes me feel good. But bottom line is you got to get in this word for yourself. You got to dig in this word and you got to figure it out for yourself because I'm not going to always be there for you. I'm not going to be there to fight every battle you go through. So when you listen to what I preach, you get in and find it for yourself and then you're equipped to fight those battles. So now let's flip over to uh, Galatians chapter six. And in Galatians chapter 6, we'll read three verses here. And these are very important, especially for these last days. But Galatians chapter 6, verses 7 through 9, it says, Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that will he also reap. For he who sows to his flesh, homosexuality, because it's flesh, will of the flesh reap corruption notice it didn't say eternal life it didn't say blessings it didn't say abundance prosperity healing wealth protection no it says in verse 8 for he who sows to his flesh will of the flesh reap corruption but he who sows the spirit will of the spirit reap everlasting life you see I, I'm, I'm a dead man. If you're saved, you're a dead man. Dead men don't have wants. Dead men don't have desires. 
I just want to do what Christ said do. I want to be Christ to other people in this world. So you see, homosexuality is that's the lust of the flesh. That's the the going after what my body wants, what my flesh wants, and not what my spirit wants. So you see that these things, you want to reap corruption or do you want everlasting life? I don't know about you, but I want everlasting life. And then in verse 9, and this is for all of us, I believe now more than ever the church is being bombarded constantly, whether it's homosexuality, uh, creeping in or whether it's uh, finding out that you've been put on the FBI watch list because you preach the unadulterated truth of the word of God. Uh, you know, all these different things, we're constantly being inundated. You know, we see our borders are wide open, drug cartels, uh, drug lords, gang members, all these terrorists are coming through our uh, unsecured border. You know, we see all these things. And we hear it constantly. You know, our inflation is at an all-time high. <clears throat> Interest rates <coughs> are ridiculous. Things costing like crazy. You know, these things begin to weigh on you. But here's what, here's what Paul said. And let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season, in due season, we shall reap if we faint not or if we do not lose heart. You have to understand, don't grow weary in well-doing because I believe uh, now more, I believe 2024, 2025, 2026, I believe that those of us that have not grown weary, don't mean you hadn't got frustrated. It doesn't mean you ain't tired of hearing about all the the stupidity and and ignorance that's going on in our world and especially in our churches. Yeah, we get, we get tired of hearing. I'm, I'm sick of hearing this stuff, but the Bible says don't grow weary. That means don't let it burden you down to the point that it controls you and that you just begin to, well, God just ain't going to do nothing. I just give up on it. He says, don't grow weary in well-doing or doing good because in due season, which I believe we're fixing to walk into, he said that we'll reap if we faint not. And I believe that's coming. I believe that we're fixing to walk into a season of miraculous works of God, of miracles, of manifestations like the world has never seen. And I'm ready for it. I know you are too, but don't give up. We have to be able to go to these people. You know, we have to go to them in love. You know, we have to understand, and that's one of the biggest things I believe that's been misportrayed. Um, everybody's talking about, well, we have to show love. We have to show love. We have to show love. We got to love people. You know, that was one of, I didn't write it down, but that was one of the things in this uh, article that I read that their concern was not about their sin, but it was about showing them the love of Christ. I mean, that I can't even begin to say how stupid that statement is because what is the truest love or truest form of love? Discipline. Why? Because the Bible says that God chastens those that he loves. Discipline is the greatest form of love because if I love you truly like Jesus does, that I'm going to come to you with correction if I see you doing wrong, if I see you going into air. And that's what these uh, bishops in these high places, that's what they're miss missing. They've exalted themselves to these high positions. They're on these power trips, and they have drunk the Kool-Aid, so to speak, of the woke generation, and they're trying to be wokeified. And, you know, now you're seeing the same thing is going to begin to happen to denominations and churches that you've seen happen to Anheuser-Busch with Bud Light, that you've seen happen to Target, which on a side note, Target has doubled down on stupid. I mean, they literally have doubled down on stupid. They have hired this guy, and he is a flamboyant, full-blown homo, and he, he calls himself, get this, Josh, his name 
is Gayarella. I'm sure he, he calls himself Gayarella. Yeah. So they've hired them to, to bring in the gay Christmas. You know, I, I guess we're really going to find out on that one song, what gay apparel, you know, that one Christmas. I guess we really, Target's fixing to go and show you what the real gay apparel that we sang about in them Christmas songs is, I guess. But you see, Target, they're suffering losses. Look at Disney. Disney is struggling. It has never struggled like this in the history of Disney. But you see, people are getting tired of being told how to live. Well, yeah, but you preachers tell us how to live. I'm telling you how to live by the word of God. And if you have a problem with God telling you how to live, then you're not going to like heaven because that's where he's at. And how he tells you to live has rewards that are eternal. How the world tells you to live may have some momentary, temporary, instant pleasures, instant gratitude, and instant reward, but there's hell to pay at the end of it. So you see, we have to understand these things and always remember the greatest form of love is first correction, bringing correction to somebody, discipline, because you love them, you know, and I think that's one of the bigger problems in these generations. You know, we, we went through these generations where we had these psychiatrists, uh, more of those uneducated idiots that, uh, actually got on TV shows, you know, cause we went through that time where, you know, if it, if it was said on Oprah, then it was the Bible and everybody had to believe it. But, you know, they had psychiatrists on there saying that, uh, you know, if you spank your children, then uh, you warp their personalities. Well, that's the problem. Some of them, we need that correction to shape our personalities because if we don't, we grow up warped. And that's what's happened. Now we have, you know, the the uh, what, what do we, entitlement generation. You know, we, everybody walks around, you owe me, you owe me, you owe me. You know, go sit in the corner. No, uh, time out. No. Don't worry. That's why your butt has padding on it. I'm not telling you to beat your kids in the head or slap them in the face or the back of the arms. They have padding on their backside. And spanking your child is scriptural. It's in the Bible. And it says that the rod of correction will drive away evil. So, you know, that's been the problem. Evil ain't been drove away. Well, you know, I work all the time and I just don't want to hurt, hurt my children. You know, I don't get to spend much time with them. Well, trust me, when they grow up, they're going to look back and they're going to thank you for making them do what was right. But anyway, Matthew chapter 13, Matthew chapter 13, look at verse 22. He said here, for false Christ and false prophets will rise and show signs and wonders to deceive, if possible, even the elect. Now you see that? For false Christ, that's, that can be false opinions of the Bible. That can be uh, allowing homosexuals to preach in your pulpits to ordain them. That can be, uh, you know, honoring this, a union of a same-sex marriage. These are all false Christ, false prophets. You have to really think about this. Anything that is against the word of God is anti-God, so anything that's against it is what? Antichrist. And I know some people find it harder. You mean the Antichrist is in the church? Absolutely. Running wide open and rampant. And that's why he says that if you're not careful, if possible, even the elect, meaning those that know better, those that, that, that should know better anyway, will be deceived. And you see that a bishop a pastor, they should know better. They should know what the word of God says. I mean, if this thing is what you preach, is if, if this is how you make your living, you over anybody else should know what sin is. If you don't know what it is, then why are you preaching out of this book? <laughs> and and it, it just blows my mind. But you're seeing these, these bishops and these pastors and churches, these affiliates, they're being deceived the elect the ones that are called into the ministry are being deceived by this poisonous 
agenda, this antichrist agenda. And you see another um, statement that come out of this article that I read out of this Methodist uh, news, but it says with these departures, these progressives are expected to propose changing the church law at the next general conference in 2024 to allow for same-sex marriage and the ordination of the LGBTQ, LMNP, QRSTUV people, you know, the alphabet soup sex people. They don't know what letter, whatever letter pops up, that's the one they are. In 2024, the United Methodist Church Organization will vote in their general conference. This is their general conference is held like once a year. This is when all of the educated idiots that call themselves Methodists, this is when all those educated idiots get in one room. I mean, you know, it's bad enough to be in a room with one idiot, but think about a massive convention, a room full of idiots that are voting on what the Word of God says. I mean, it just it, it, it blows my mind. But 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 14 through 17, let's see. Um, yeah. If you look at that, and I know we touched a little bit on that, but listen to this right here. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 14 through 17. It says, Do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers, for what fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness, and what communion has light with dark. Now, we've always used this about marriage, that if you're, uh, if you're a Christian, if you're saved, and you're dating not to date somebody or try to marry somebody that's unsaved, and that's still true to that. But if any of you that are watching this, if you're uh, in the Methodist organization or denomination, and you're wondering, should I should I leave? Should I pull away from it? Or if you're a Methodist pastor or a Methodist board, I think y'all y'all have demon possessed boards or deacon possessed boards too. But if y'all are watching and you think we don't want to be a part of this uh, homosexuality uh, acceptance, this is what the Bible's saying right here: that we're not to be unequally yoked for what part does light have with darkness homosexuality is sin sin is what darkness what is darkness of satan the antichrist agenda we're not to be a part of that and he's plainly saying it right here and then he goes on in verse 15 and says for what accord has christ with baal which is satan or what part has a believer with an unbeliever and you see, this is the thing. You can call yourself a believer all you want, but if you're arguing with what the Word of God says, it kind of makes you look like a fool. So anyway, verse 16 says, In what argument or agreement has the temple of God with idols? For you are the temple of the living God, as God has said. Then he goes on and, and he says, I will dwell in them and walk among them. I will be their God and they shall be my people. Therefore, come out. You see, that's the one thing that the homosexuals did. They come out, but the Christians didn't. Everybody wants to stay in their closet because we don't want to be made fun of. We don't, we don't want to. You see, if you don't come out, sin is. And in this world we live in, and it's crept in the church, sin is speaking louder than the Spirit of God is speaking in a lot of these denominations. Why? Because the church didn't come out of the closet when homosexuality come out of the closet, it seems like the church just took back in our closet. But he went on and he said, Therefore, come out from among them, be ye separate, says the Lord. Do not touch what is unclean, and I will receive you. Then he said in verse 18, he said, I will be a father to you, and you shall be my sons and daughters, says the Lord God Almighty. So we see, even through the word of God, you know, you... A question I think that those of you watching online need to ask yourself is, what's your church doing? What is your church's stance against sin? What is your church's stance against homosexuals being ordained and put in the pulpit, being made a pastor or a bishop? 
What is your church's stance on, you know, all of these different things? You need to start asking that question because those are the ones that you're looking to for guidance. And if they're leading you astray and leading you down a path of destruction, you know, if you, if you know that they could be doing that, you need to start seeking God, seeking his word and, and ask your pastor. Every member of a church should have the right to ask their pastor about the fundamental doctrines. They should be able to ask them those questions and those you as a pastor should be able to answer them. And those of you that are members of a church, if you ask your pastor about homosexuality, you ask your pastor about different types of sin and he wants to get an attitude about it because he don't want to answer it, that's your answer right there. Get out of that church ASAP and don't ever look back. Well, you know, my grandpa's buried out back. Well, that's right. He's buried out back. And if you stay there, you're going to be buried out back. Get out of that church and get into a church that's going to speak life and truth into you so that in these last days you can strive and be a lighthouse to a world that is looking for answers. So how about your church? How, where does it stand on these issues? Where does it draw its line in the sand? So having said that, you know, do you have a decision to make? You may be watching going, man, my church stands for that. Well, I'm telling you, because I love you. You say, well, yeah, you don't even know me. Yeah, but I love you like Jesus loves you, and he knows you. He knows right where you are. And I love you like he does, and I'm telling you, if your church is standing for sin, then you need to get out of that church because you're going to see more. I, I wouldn't be surprised if the United Methodist doesn't all but become non-existent within less than a year unless it changes its ways. You know, yes, they've started a, uh, it's kind of funny. I think it's called the General Methodist Church or something like that. And their initials are GMC like ours. I'm like, wait a minute, you got, we got copyright on that. Y'all can't have that. But there's good people in the Methodist Church. There's good pastors in the Methodist Church. You know, and if you're a pastor and you, you, you're watching this and you're saying, yeah, but if, if I stand up against it, they're going to fire me. Trust God. God called you. God hired you. Not them. Yeah, they may have hired you for that building. But you trust God. You stand up for righteousness, and righteousness will stand up for you. When you stand up for the word of God, the word of God will always stand up for you. So don't be afraid to make the right choices on these very controversial, very important issues that the church is facing. Well, guys, we're out of time. I appreciate so much. We've had a good crowd. I appreciate you guys watching. Do me a favor and hit that like button. And, of course, if you're watching it, and I know there'll be a few that do, that don't like it, you get all offended and all upset, and you're going to get in your safe space. Before you go to your safe space, hit the dislike button. You know, give me a thumbs down. Just give me something. That's fine. Then if you did like it, hit that share button. Share this on your social media or on those platforms, those of you watch or listening through podcasts, send a text to somebody with this on it. Everybody knows somebody that may be questioning what their church is teaching and what it stands for. Send this to them. It'll help give them direction and help them get on the right path for these end-time days that we're living in so that they will not grow weary in well-doing. Guys, we love you. God bless you, and we'll see you next Wednesday night.